remain standing for the reading of Scripture. Thank you so much for helping us, aiding us in the singing of word. What a joy it is to hear our voices sing of that great and glorious day when we are in our Lord's presence. Amen. This morning's sermon text is 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. This can be found If you are using a church Bible on page 1098, 1098 in that church Bible in front of you, if you don't own a copy of God's Word, please take that one in front of you as our gift to you. There's no greater gift we could give you than a copy of Scripture. Please uh, take that and read that. If you're also witnessing to someone who does not know the Lord, perhaps they don't own a Bible, please also uh, take that and give that to them. It's vital that they have a copy of God's Word in their hands. Hear the word of the Lord now from 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 1. This is the word of the living God Almighty. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, Lord, we pray and ask that you would strengthen us. We pray that you would bless our time in your word, that our eyes would be opened, areas where we have perhaps grown slothful. Help us, God, to be a faithful people, a humble people. We pray, God, that your spirit would help us treasure the Lord Jesus more deeply. We pray, God, for our own church and entrust the the leadership of our church to you. Pray, God, for your blessing upon this vitally important task of serving, of loving your people. God, we agree with Paul, who is sufficient for these things? We think about this massive task. And so help us today. We anticipate you strengthening us, and we are thankful that you are a good and a gracious God. pray this all in Amen. Well, once again, we see the providential hand of the Lord upon our church family. God is always doing, one pastor put it, about 10,000 things in every one of his children's lives, and you and I might be aware of just one or two of the things that the Lord is doing. 
Well, how do we see the Lord's providential hand upon our church family? Just last week, we had our vote for our elders, the first time in the history of our church to have a plurality of elders in this local church family. A good and important reformation according to the word of God. And so praise God for the unity of that vote. Just so you know, this was not planned in any way, shape, or form. I'm not smart enough, gifted enough at all to plan that. That in our preaching schedule, we'd be right here in 1 Peter 5. Where we would have the privilege and joy to look and see what the Lord requires of elders. You'll see that's what this sermon is titled. What the Lord requires of church elders. If you have a bulletin, you can see the sermon notes there. Some of these will be on the screen as well. If that helps you, it is there for you. I'll try to make note of that whenever we pause and put in one of those blanks. But for our time today, as we will look together First 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, I hope that you will see this as the main takeaway, as the main truth from these verses. Since Christ will appear, since Christ will appear, elders must faithfully shepherd and all Christians put on humility. Since Christ is going to appear, that is not a question of if he will, he will appear. Since Jesus Christ will appear, elders must faithfully shepherd the flock of God, and all Christians must put on humility. With the Lord's help today, we'll look mainly at the marks of God-honoring elders and pastors, then we'll press on and look at some applications that apply to all Christians. Perhaps you're thinking, well, I'm not an elder, so I can just check out during this part of the service. Wrong. A number of things to think about, friends, when it comes to this verse. One, perhaps you are here as a mother who is raising sons. We pray and ask the Lord that the sons of this congregation and the grandsons would aspire someday to the office of overseer, the office of elder. Because when you look at the biblical qualifications... They are rooted in Christ-like virtue. These are things that godly men should aspire to, should walk in, should live in faithfully. And so you want to know, number one, what should my elders look like? What should my pastors look like? Yes, that's vital. You belong to this church. It is vital. You actually hold up the elders of this church to this standard. It is vital that you don't just assume, well, I like that man or those men, and therefore I'm going to excuse or let something pass. The standard, friends, is the Scripture, the Holy Word of the living God. That is the standard, and insofar as some of you, even a few of you, just neglect that and think someone else will worry about the biblical character qualifications, the whole church suffers. So I want you to own the idea that this is something given to us from our holy God, so that myself and our other elders, Richard, Paul, and Joe, would be those who actually live in light of what we are called to do, to the glory of God. We're going to look at marks of God-honoring elders. You'll see four of these marks found right in the text. Before we go there, though, I just want to be very clear about something. I'm assuming a lot here. There's not time to cover all of the biblical texts when it comes to the role of elder, you should just know this at the outset, though. The, the role of elder 
the role of overseer, the role of pastor, those are three interchangeable terms in the New Testament. You will see them linked together repeatedly in the New Testament. So when I say elder or pastor, I'm referring to the same office. There's not two separate categories. I know sometimes maybe your tradition that you grew up in had a difference between an elder and a pastor. These are together in the New Testament, so we'll bring them together here as well. Don't be thrown off by that. You really see three main terms when it comes to this office. You see elder, uh, you see some call that bishop, but elder is, is more common. You also see overseer and you also see pastor. So we're talking about the same office there. Don't be thrown off by some of uh, the interchange there as I go back and forth. Additionally, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 3 and other passages speak of the biblical character qualifications, and those should not be neglected as well. I encourage you to read those in your own time. We've read those over the last few months as a church. We studied those last year together as well, and those are vital as well. So don't think that I have said the last word or the only word when it comes to what an elder should be and what God requires of elders here. There's more the scriptures teach, but there's not less than what 1 Peter 5 says. In addition, you should just know this as well, whenever it comes to the office of overseer or pastor, I'm also assuming here, based upon not only what the scripture teaches, but based upon the weight as well of church history, that this is an office reserved for biblically qualified men. Biblically qualified men. That's what I'm talking about here. Not just any man, but biblically qualified men is who I have in mind when it comes to the office of overseer. So let's look now at what the marks are of faithful elders. What should biblically qualified men who are called to this office of elder or pastor, what should they be about? What should they be marked by? First, faithful elders are biblically qualified men who humbly admit it is God's flock. And faithful elders humbly admit it is God's flock that they tend. Look at your Bible at 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 1, and then we'll go into the first part of verse 2. The Apostle Peter says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. Notice here that this is not the flock of the elders, but the flock of the living God. This has its roots deeply in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, flip very briefly with me over to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. I want you to see this language of the Lord referring to His people as His flock from Ezekiel 34. This is just one example. There are others we could go to. Ezekiel in chapter 34, the context is that the shepherds who should have been feeding the people of God were not doing that. They were feeding themselves. They were not being faithful leaders. They were being negligent. And the Lord is issuing judgments upon these leaders, these shepherds who are neglecting their role. Listen to the number of times the Lord connects the flock to himself here. In Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10, hear the word of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, 
Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become a prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will demand my sheep from them, and make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth, so that they will not be food for them. That is the word of the living Lord against those who were false shepherds. They had the name, they had the robes, they might have looked the part, but they were negligent. They had abandoned the role that the Lord had for them. And the Lord issues there indictment after indictment after indictment, connecting this back to who? Himself, my flock. Well, the similar idea is presented here in 1 Peter 5. Shepherd the flock of God among you. A faithful elder knows, first and foremost, his role is not in, his identity is not in his position as a pastor or elder. He knows himself to be part of the flock. Did you notice what it says? Shepherd the flock of God among you. You are among the people of God. You are also one of the sheep, even if you do serve for a season in the role of shepherd or pastor or elder. Again, the same office, same position there. A faithful elder, friends, will realize that just as Psalm 23 tells us, the Lord is my shepherd. Ultimately, we belong to the chief shepherd first and foremost. We've already seen this, but if you turn back in your Bible in 1 Peter 2, 25, note again the language of a shepherd. 1 Peter 2, 25 says this, You were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. That applies to all, those who are elders and those who are not. All of us had been straying like sheep, and all of us now by God's grace, the Lord Jesus Christ have returned, that shepherd, that guardian an overseer of our souls. The faithful elders understand this is God's church. This is God's flock. This is God's people. 
I heard a pastor once say, if you knew how much God loved each of his children, you would never speak ill him or her again. If you knew the high cost of sending the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to the cross, if you knew and really grasped that, you would never speak ill of the people of God. You would never speak glibly or haphazardly. You would speak highly with reverence and honor, pride of Christ. You know who these people are. This is the flock God. Now, this is not to say that there's not real work to be done. Just kind of, well, they're the Lord's flock, so I'll just kind of have this position, and Lord, you take the rest. Not by a long shot. One shepherd, in real life, shepherd, W. Philip Keller, in the 1970s wrote a book, fascinating little book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And this man, who was a shepherd in the 20th century, looked at what Psalm 23 had to say in comparison to what his experience had been as a shepherd. Here's what he said. Quote, It is no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. The behavior of sheep and human beings is similar in many ways. Sheep do not just, uh, do not just take care of themselves, as some might suppose. Sheep require, more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. And so just recognize this, that even as faithful elders understand this is God's flock, it does not mean there won't be serious love and moving towards that flock by those who are faithful elders. Well, the Apostle Peter, note there that again we see this connection to his apostleship when he says he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He witnessed and saw the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. From the Garden of Gethsemane, where he sweat blood, was burdened by the prospect of going to the cross and drinking down the wrath of Almighty God against sin. To his beatings, to his being mocked, slandered, to the times he was accused by false teachers, leaders of Israel, of being unfaithful to the scriptures and to the traditions. Peter witnessed the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And here Peter, the apostle and the elder, is saying, I'm going to be gone soon, but remember the sufferings of Jesus Christ and remember he's going to appear again. In the meantime, you faithful elders, remember this. To humbly admit, it is God's flock that you tend. That brings us to our next mark of a faithful elder. Faithful elders gladly lead and feed according to God's will. Faithful elders gladly lead and feed according to God's will. Look in your Bible again at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. Well, this is a similar idea to 1 Timothy 3, where it says, if anyone desires the office of overseer, he desires noble task. There's something that is good about a man desiring the position to serve in the office of elder. The idea here is the same. We don't want this man who's begrudging. I guess I'll do it because no one else will do it. If there's no one else, I'll do it. Sadly, I've experienced that. Sometimes you call upon someone to serve, 
not only as elder, but in other capacities in the life of the church, right? And there's this kind of spirit of, well, if no one else will do it, Pastor, I guess I'll do it. That's not what's going on here. In 1 Peter 5, the idea here is there's this desire, there's this eagerness, there's this sense of, I am going to do this, not because I have to do this, but because I want to. Your translation might say, willingly. Our church Bible says, voluntarily. It's this sense of, I'm going to take this task on, enter into it, even though I maybe don't know everything that it involves or it will involve me facing. But I know what God requires of me, and I am gladly going to take this on. I'm going to lead God's people. I'm going to feed them according to not my own opinion, but according to the will of God. Did you notice that phrase? It's really important to see that. According to the will of God. I will encourage you with this. Over the last few months, many months, we sought out from our congregation, those who could serve in the office of overseer of elder, all three of the men who we voted on last week to serve alongside me, Elder, all three of them had that desire. There was no sense of hesitation of maybe I'll do it. And frankly, if there was, we would have gone a different direction. And so praise be to God for his blessing upon our church that our church elders have that desire. They want to lead. They want to feed from the word of God. Well, the will of God is found in the written word of God. And so we will consistently be a church, I pray, it looks to the Word of God, the only God-breathed source of authority. We'll be a church that is constantly preaching and teaching and being discipled by, not our opinion, but by the living Word of God. We will grow, as the Scriptures tell us in 2 Peter 3, 8, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Elders will be the chief proponents of discipling, of preaching, of teaching the Word of God. Because indeed, in the Word of God, we find the will of God. We see this phrase here, exercising oversight. From the word episcopeo, the noun is the episcopos. You think of the Episcopalian church. The idea there is not just simply looking and observing from distance. It's rather owning. It's rather recognizing, I am inspecting this. I am moving towards this. That's what's going on here. You know, it's interesting, um, sometimes when pastors get involved in the lives of their church members, if they haven't had that in their past, it's rather interesting because it can throw off some church members. Once at a previous church I served, I called a gentleman uh, whose name I won't uh, share, but we'll just say for the sake of uh, today, his name was uh, Bill. His name's not Bill. There's a Bill, a friend of mine, Bill, who's here today, but his name's not Bill. We're just going to call him Bill. But this guy, Bill... I called him up and I, I said, hey, um, Bill, I just, saw, I just wanted to call and see how you're doing. He goes, yeah, who are you? I said, this is Pastor Brandon. He said, oh, well, what project you guys got going on? How much, how much money do you need? And I was like, what? I said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not raising money for a project, Bill. I just, and he goes, well, am I in trouble? And I'm like, so in this guy's relationship to the pastor, he had two things in mind. Either this pastor wants money for a building project or something, or I'm in trouble. There was no sense of like, I'm just calling to pray for you. I'm just calling to check in. But friends, if you experience a pastor calling you and you're gone one week even, view that as a blessing from the Lord. View that as a gift from the Lord, not as someone who's being overbearing and trying to micromanage your life, 
but as a shepherd who's trying to actually love you and lead you and wants what's best for you. When it comes to exercising oversight, pastors will take seriously the call to be involved in the lives of their members, to inspect what's going on, to look carefully upon. That's the idea of exercising oversight here. I wish I could tell you that that story I just shared was uncommon. But sadly, there's been this sense of, well, we're in a different century now, so some of that moving towards, moving towards the flock doesn't apply. I heard years ago, and I wish I knew who first said this. I don't know the source. I, I tried looking for it. I couldn't find it. But someone said that pastors, elders, should smell like the sheep, primarily because they're one of them. We don't need this big distance, this big gulf between the sheep and the shepherds. And in fact, a faithful shepherd will be among the sheep. And without shame, they will do that gladly, gladly leading, gladly feeding from the word of God. Pastor and author Mark Dever is right, though, when he says, if Christians expect their pastor to fulfill his biblical responsibilities, church members must make themselves known to him. Don't shy away from the fact that, oh, my pastor called me. Don't think that you don't need to acknowledge that. One of the saddest parts of serving in pastoral ministry has been when you call dozens of times, email, text, and you just get no response. It's just like you get ghosted completely, and you're not sure why. Was there a sin involved? Did you harm someone? Did you say something mean to someone? Friends, let me encourage you to make yourself known. We who serve you as your pastor, that is a blessing. We want to be involved in your lives. We want to care for you to the glory of God. And in fact, according to Hebrews 13, 17, we are those who keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. We will give an account, according to God's word, to how well we led you and shepherded you. So faithful elders are marked, one, by humbly admitting it's God's flock they're tending. And two, faithful elders are also marked by a glad leading and feeding according to God's will. The third mark of a faithful elder is this. Faithful elders eagerly guide by their proven Christ-like example. Faithful elders eagerly guide by proven Christ-like example. Look in your Bible. 1 Peter 5, verse 3. Nor yet as lording it over those who are allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Your translation might say what the ESV says, domineering, nor domineering over them. We just read the Lord's condemnation back in Ezekiel 34 of those shepherds who did domineer and dominate over the people of God. This is the idea of everything the pastor says must be followed to the T. And there's no margin for some kind of an area of Christian liberty. Sadly, I've read some stories about this where the pastor is doing everything from regulating what a congregant should be wearing to the way they should be spending their money. It is excessive. It is burdensome. It is not what the Lord has in mind. Not domineering, but rather leading by example. Third John 9 speaks of a man named Diotrephus. And it said he loved to be first among them. And he does not accept what we say. Those who domineer are saying it's my way or the highway on everything. 
There's no room for recognizing I might get it wrong. I might have a blind spot. There's no room for thinking, you know what? The Proverbs actually tell us that he who states his case first seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. We have to be very, very clear on this. Faithful elders eagerly guide, but they do that mainly, on the main, through their proven example of Christ-like virtue. Walking in Christ-likeness. There's not this sense of bludgeoning someone over the head with, I'm an elder, therefore obey me. There's a sense of, I see you as you're following Christ, and I want to follow Christ in that same way. And that's where the authority comes from. From the Word of God and from the fact that the Lord is honored when His people are imitating that same Christ-like. You know, the Lord Jesus said in Mark 10 a very similar idea here. Mark 10, 42 and 45, Jesus called his disciples over and said to all of them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One New Testament scholar put it this way whenever it comes to how we're supposed to understand this role of elder, and I think it's it's rather helpful. The image of the shepherd brings to mind this concerned guide rather than this severe ruler, a faithful elder in a church. Is not this severe ruler, do this, do that, do it now. But rather, concerned and a loving guide. The pastor at the church that I grew up in, our Savior Evangelical Free Church, had a pastor named Bill Donnett. And I always recall my mom and dad talking about Bill Donnett and how he came alongside the congregation. He would do that gladly. He would do that willingly. And when my grandpa went to be with the Lord... Uh, my family was actually in Hawaii. My grandpa on my mom's side, my mom's dad, died uh, young. And I always remember this story. And when my, the news came, my grandpa had died of a heart attack, gone to be with the Lord. We came home from Hawaii. My mom and dad always talked about how their pastor, Pastor Bill Donnett, who himself is now with the Lord, was there in the driveway when he got home. From he came alongside them. He loved them. He cared for them. He eagerly shepherded by his Christ-like And I praise God for that. Maybe so in our church family as well. Char, Joe, my dad, Paul, and myself are those who are imitating Christ-likeness. Any others who serve in that capacity in the future as well. Something we all should aspire to. But we see this, faithful elders humbly admit it's God's flock they tend. Faithful elders gladly lead and feed according to God's will. Faithful elders eagerly guide by proving Christ-like example. And then fourth, faithful elders confidently hope in the chief shepherd's return. Faithful shepherds confidently hope in the chief shepherd's return. Verse 4 says this, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
Now, what's interesting about this is while we know that by God's grace in Jesus Christ alone, we are reconciled to God, we have an inheritance. We've seen that in 1 Peter already. Our salvation is secure. Here we're actually getting into a different category. We're getting into the category, many would suggest, of rewards. Because, friends, never think that just because you are in Christ, that there's no future reward coming for those who are faithful. One of the ways the Lord incentivizes us because He knows the way we're wired and He created us is by future eternal rewards and glory. In this context, we're talking here about those who serve the Lord faithfully as bishops, elders, pastors, same office again. And the Lord is saying, when the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You pastors who are faithfully involved in this ministry. By the way, it doesn't mean that in other parts of Scripture there aren't texts that are similarly related to all Christians. It's true. But in this context, we're talking about here those who shepherd the flock in this faithful manner. When the Lord Jesus Christ appears, we've seen this constantly in our study of 1 Peter, at the revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's one of the primary ways that Peter encourages these Christians suffering throughout the provinces in Rome. He's saying, remember the Lord Jesus Christ will return. He will come. His revelation will be here. And when he does, when he, the chief shepherd, appears, you who have faithfully pastored his flock, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Well, what is going on here with this idea of the unfading crown of glory? Much uh, has been written on this, and uh, much, I would say, has been uh, fanciful speculation, you might say, in terms of what that exactly looks like. For now, though, let's just note that this is going to be something that is glorious, something that is connected to ultimately the Lord bestowing honor upon those who have served faithfully as And so that should incentivize those who serve in the office of elder to be faithful to this great and glorious calling. Well, so what? Now that we see these marks of faithful God-honoring elders and pastors according to 1 Peter 5, what should we do? Uh, Very briefly to close our time, look at some applications connected to this. First, faithfully pray for men called to serve as elders. Faithfully pray for myself Paul, for Richard, for Joe. Pray for our unity. Pray for us in this task. Pray for our marriages. Pray for how we raise our children. And pray for the Lord to raise up even more men to serve in this high call. Pastor, elder. Faithfully pray. I would encourage you even to put maybe a note, reminder on your phone or something and pray for one of us every day of the week. That's an important thing to entrust to the Lord those who are serving the role of elder. Next, stubbornly hold to God's desire, the biblical truth just laid out here and in the rest of Scripture concerning elders. Stubbornly hold to it. Dear friends, please, stubbornly hold to this truth. The reason why so many churches have been led astray is because they had faithless leaders who led them there. Insofar as the pulpit or the leadership of the church is corrupt, is not faithful to the Scriptures, is not living a God-honoring life, you not only bring scandal in the community, 
and mock the Lord Jesus, but you also harm the sheep. And so cling and hold stubbornly to God's desire, biblical truth about elders. Again, I'm not saying be all legalistic and don't give any grace, but you have to realize the standard is Scripture. The standard is the Word of God. And so we went slow when it came to installing elders here. A year and a half before we did that. I thought it was an important change we should have made as soon as possible. We didn't rush that because we wanted to make sure this was a faithful process. Stubbornly hold to God's desire about biblical elders. Third, shamelessly imitate the Christ-like virtues seen in your elders. Shamelessly imitate the Christ-like virtue you see in your elders. Far too often, people think, I'm my own person. I don't follow anyone. That's nonsense. You're just blind to it and you don't know who you follow. You haven't named them. Everyone follows someone. Everyone is following someone right now. You are looking up to them as the model of how you should live, as the pattern that your life should be modeled afterwards. Maybe it's someone at work. Maybe it's a neighbor who you think is cool. If you're a a younger kid, it's an older kid in your class. But everyone is following someone. That doesn't stop even when you become an adult. And so who are those role models? Who are you looking up to? May it be by God's grace, the elders, the local church, and you are imitating that Christ-likeness. You are imitating that boldness and that humility. You are imitating what you see when it comes to Christ-like virtue. Aimlessly. Fourth, appropriately submit to a biblical local church. Appropriately submit to a biblical local church. One of the things that we see all throughout the scriptures is there's a sense of belonging to the body of Christ. There's a sense of being included in the body of Christ. There's many texts we could go to when it comes to this, but again, going back to that quote by Mark Dever in his book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, recognize this. If Christians expect their pastor to fulfill his biblical responsibilities, we want to know who is among this flock. And so inquire in your home church that is faithfully preaching the word of God about what it means to be a member. If the local church that you consider your home church is not faithful, find a faithful church and join that church. Perhaps you've been here for a long time and you've never joined our church. I'd love to talk to you more about what it looks like to be a member here of the church. It is vital that we actually honor the Lord's desire for us to submit to the proper authorities he's laid out here. I recognize that some of you have been hurt by pastors, by elders, and I'm sorry that you went through that. It's evil. It should have never happened. But let's not lose sight of the fact that if that evil happened, we should not then toss out everything the Lord says concerning proper authority that we need to submit to. We need to submit to the authorities the Lord wants us to submit to, to the glory of God. We need to recognize that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd of this church. But it's also important for the health of a local church to have elders in place. To let the word of God do the work of God in the people of God. We have got to be a church that allows this to happen, friends. John Calvin says, and this quote is on the back there for you to look at as well. Pastors and elders should not stand in the way of Christ alone having the dominion in his church, or ruling it alone by his word. Those who win the church over to themselves, rather than to Christ, faithlessly violate the marriage which they ought to honor. That's what elders ought to be about. The word of God, exalting the son of God, humbly serving the people of God. And insofar when it comes to your relationship to our church and to one another, look what the scripture says. 
It says, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's a quote from the Old Testament in Proverbs chapter 3. Once again, Peter loves quoting from the Old Testament. And here is a call, an invitation to the younger men, which, as J.C. Ryle and others have pointed out, are often the most rambunctious and rebellious bunch among them all. The young men. They should be subject to the elders. All of us clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Ultimately, because the Lord is opposed to those who are proud, but gives grace. He gives his undeserved favor to those who are humble. Those who, those who know and recognize that God is God, and we are not. We're here to serve our great Savior, our great Shepherd, the overseer of our souls. So, dear friends, may you recognize that we have a great God and a good Shepherd. May you follow faithfully insofar as we who are serving as elders. May you follow our example, the Lord Jesus Christ. May you cling to the standards found here in St. Ultimately, that is the only guide that will make.